Chapter Fifty of Dead Men's Shoes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Mason. Dead Men's Shoes by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Fifty Alexis Investigates. Before going to Lancaster Lodge, Alexis goes back to the jail and spends half an hour with his wife. He feels that it would be cruel to leave her all through the long, lonely day. He finds her curiously patient and quiet, resigned to the horror of her position, and touchingly grateful for his interest in her. "'It's a strange end to all my dreams, Alexis,' she says sadly. "'I fancied that when our reconciliation came,' life would be full of brightness for us i have comforted myself in many a lonely hour with the thought of our reunion we should be fabulously rich free as air with all the world and its pleasures before us the reality is strikingly different from the daydream is it not no freedom no wealth our reconciliation finds me a prisoner and a pauper the prison will not be for long, dear, and I have fortune enough for both of us, so you need not regret your daydream about Stephen Trenchard's wealth, a factor which had no real existence in the sum of our lives. Why did I not learn wisdom from my spelling book, that dog's-eared old spelling book with fables for reading lessons, says Sybil, with her faint smile. I'm like the dog in the fable, who dropped the substance to snatch the shadow she asks no questions as to his morning's occupation she seems in no manner to realize the peril of her situation and the urgency of prompt action perhaps she is more womanly in this hour of trial than she has been at any other crisis of her life alexis has forgiven her that is the one fact she dwells upon most and the danger and horror of her position touch her lightly that which she feels most bitterly is to know herself the dupe of her own avarice fooled to the top of her bent by false appearances mocked at perhaps in secret by the insolvent belial of her worship love is better than gold or silver alexis she says resting her languid head upon her husband's shoulder poets philosophers and sages have been singing that chorus ever since the world began sibyl yet there are a good many people left who set their affections on filthy lucre and however much we may abuse it that yellow ore which keeps the world moving has some good uses as well as evil ones and now i must leave you for an hour or two i have some more business to get through in your lively town you will not be alone all the afternoon dear dr faunthorpe is coming to see you dear uncle robert oh alex how i hate myself when i remember my neglect of that dear good man while i paid my court to an impostor and yet perhaps i have no right to say that i've been thinking over the past as i sat here this morning and i see that i've been self-deceived rather than the dupe of uncle trenchard he never told me that he meant to make me his heiress he never told me that he had a great fortune to leave it was other people who deceived me those stormonts and their set always harping upon one string courting me and flattering me as the heiress-elect i have little right to blame my uncle 
he did not know how much i had sacrificed for his sake he did not know how false and wicked a part i was playing he was anxious that i should make a rich marriage that i should profit by the false appearances that surrounded me and establish myself before he died he meant kindly by that at any rate we will say no harm of the dead my dear and now good-bye for a few hours alexis meets dr faunthorpe on his way out the good little man has only stopped to perform some necessary duties in the dispensing line before hastening to his niece from redcastle jail to lancaster lodge is only ten minutes walk alexis has no difficulty in finding the mansion which he came to six months ago in the winter dusk for lancaster lodge has made itself unusually conspicuous to-day having put on a breastplate of auctioneer's bills announcing that all the elegant furniture brass bedsteads superior bedding german spring mattresses best brussels axminster velvet pile and other carpeting glass china pictures electroplated goods valuable library of standard authors grand piano by broadwood patent lawn mowing machine knife cleaning apparatus and other household effects together with the valuable lease of the mansion at a moderate rent are to be disposed of by public auction on monday next july third and three following days the whole to be on view on the previous saturday admission by catalogue price one shilling this is thursday and alexis resolves to ask for a private view of the mansion the request may be a little out of order perhaps but a judicious distribution of half-crowns will in all probability remove difficulties this man podmore the late mr trenchant's butler is doubtless in charge of the house alexis makes his application at the lodge gate where the lodgekeeper's wife has taken prompt advantage of mr trenchard's death to hang out her family linen on the laurels and conifers in the shrubbery it's a comfort to do a bit of washing in freedom this matron has remarked to her liege lord the head gardener mr trenchard were so particular particular growls the husband he were a man that allus wanted eighteen penn'orth of work for a shilling i don't call that there particular seems to me that there breeds rather common mollified by half a crown the guardians of the gate are of the opinion that mr secretan can see the house it ain't the day says the gardener scratching his head doubtfully you'll see what's wrote up on they bills saturday but if you're only passing through and wanted to see if there's anything you'd like to bid for i to say as they might strain a pint up at the house there's old podmore the butler a very particular old party but still he's amely mealable to reason alexis having passed the outer gate of the citadel goes straight to the hall door where he finds mr podmore sunning himself on the threshold cadaverous and flaccid of aspect as a man who has been living for the last few days upon gin and water and slovenly in his apparel as a man who having retired from official life feels that he has no occasion to be punctilious in the use of soap and water to him alexis makes his request there are some pictures that i want to see he says and as i'm only passing through the town i shall be much obliged if you can let me see them to-day 
he accompanies the request with a dexterous passage of half a sovereign from his fingers to podmore's palm quite a delicate feat in prestigiation podmore turns his gin and watery eyes upon the applicant with a puzzled air dimly recalling that face and voice as in some wise familiar to him on the blurred page of memory but memory's page is so much blotted that he vainly strives to decipher the imperfect record ain't i seen you somewhere before he asks feebly very possibly replies alexis you ain't been a visitor here in the old gentleman's time no then it must have been in some former situation yes you can see the pictures there's no harm in that not that the pictures are good for much regular wardour street duffers supplied by the upholsterer old cabriole and now he's served an attachment on the goods of chief creditor he's been let in nicely has old cabriole the housekeeper'll show you round there's only me and her left in the house now and it's very lonesome in fact adds podmore confidentially it's undermining my spirits i feel that low i could shed tears by the pailful yes replies alexis watchful of the butler's countenance it must be dreary work living in a house where a foul crime has been committed the foulest of crimes secret murder podmore looks uncomfortable at this but he hardly realizes mr secretan's idea of a man stricken with the sense of guilt but then there are some criminals so callous some men with whom crime is as it were a natural development and from these the agonies of remorse the throes and convulsions of a guilt-burdened soul are not to be looked for had not nemesis overtaken william palmer in the person of his latest victim's stepfather that practised plotter against the lives of his friends and relatives would doubtless have gone on driving his profitable trade and gone down to the grave jaunty and debonair liked and trusted by his comrades the jolly good fellow of his jovial circle be sure no tell-tale muscle of mr palmer's face assisted the task of detection no quiver of that iron lip betrayed the hand of the poisoner as he presented the fatal draught to the lips of his friend phrenology has declared that in that man's brain the capacity for pity or remorse was wanting the housekeeper'll take you round repeats podmore slipping the half-sovereign into his pocket podmore's eyes are dull and watery and his breath is flavoured with juniper berries or it may be turpentine his limbs are heavy and he is averse from motion he calls a thin and vinegar-faced female whose temper has been soured by a lifelong devotion to the kitchen stove and an apparatus she describes as a bang mary a large metal tray containing a family of stew-pans of various sizes in which sauces glazes and diverse savoury compositions simmer gently in a perpetual warm bath the bain-marie and the stove together have been too much for mrs skinner's temper which is disagreeably suggested of that fiery region she has so long inhabited this gentleman wants to have a look round the house says podmore in those thick and hazy tones which have become habitual to him then he must come on the proper day replies mrs skinner snappishly oh but it's all right he's got a hoarder you're to show him everything mrs skinner looks doubtful 
but on a solemn wink from the hazy podmore yields the point expectant of largesse you can come this way she says to alexis with scant courtesy i should like to see the room in which mr trenchard died says alexis when he has surveyed the drawing-room and dining-room dismal tabernacles of upholstery i hope you haven't come out of curiosity says mrs skinner reproachfully it's the first time i ever lived in a house where there was suspicion of a murder and it's very trying to my feelings my father was a respectable tradesman i wasn't brought up to this sort of thing curiosity has not brought me here replies alexis but i have a particular desire to see the room in which mr trenchard died he is about to say and to hear all you can tell me about his death but it strikes him that mrs skinner despite her acid countenance will talk freely of her own accord presently not for his gratification but for the relief of her own pent-up feelings he politely offers her half a sovereign which she takes with a curtsy and as near an approach to a smile as her features can shape thank you kindly sir i won't deny that it is acceptable finding oneself suddenly out of place and disappointed of any little legacy one had a right to expect i'm sure the pains i took with the old gentleman's curries was quite wearing to my nerves scraped coconuts and prawns and chutney and oysters and all manner of fiddle-faddle and his bombay ducks and his rubbish but he's gone to his last account and will have to answer for em all i make no doubt and for his deception toward his servants and his favourite niece suggests alexis the deception came hardest upon her ah oh, sighs mrs skinner pursing up her lips when young folks hold their heads too high providence is apt to lay snares and pitfalls for them we've king david's word for that in the psalms alexis remembers that a favourite has no friends the housekeeper considerably mollified by the stranger's liberality leads the way to mr trenchard's bedchamber where the furniture has a gloomy look and even shabby look since the auctioneer's men have overhauled it everything pushed out of its place and twisted the wrong way defaced with lot numbers degraded from its pride and pomp the bedstead heaped with an untidy pile of bedding bundles of blankets tumbled counterpane and sheeting things that careful housewives think they ought to get very cheaply under such conditions but which generally cost the feminine bargain hunter more than if they came straight from a draper's shop alexis notices the door by the head of the bed well, there is a second door to mr trenchard's room i see he remarks yes sir was that always unlocked yes that was kept unlocked for podmore to come down to give mr trenchard his medicine mrs skinner opens the door and shows alexis the landing on the back staircase and the flight of stairs leading to podmore's room there are two more doors that open on to this landing alexis inquires about these that one opens into mr trenchard's dressing-room replies mrs skinner and this indicating the further door into mr pilgrim's room alexis opens this last door and looks into mr pilgrim's apartment a comfortable bachelor's room with another door opening into the gallery at the top of the principal staircase lancaster lodge belongs to a period of domestic architecture in which architects delighted in the multiplication of doors 
and if prevented by untoward conditions from putting in real doors consoled themselves by filling in their blank corners with ornamental dummies leading to nowhere mr trenchard's room was as easily accessible to mr pilgrim as to the butler says alexis and now show me miss fontthorpe's rooms mrs skinner obeys and alexis finds that taking into consideration that mr trenchard's door of communication with the gallery was locked on the inside on the night of his death sibyl could only have entered his apartment by going down the principal staircase opening a door which mrs skinner declares to have been always locked after ten o'clock in the evening and the key in her possession crossing a lobby and ascending the servant's staircase stay there is another way if stephen trenchard's dressing-room has a door opening on the gallery he hastens to ascertain this no there are two doors to the dressing-room but neither communicates with the gallery one opens into the bedroom the other on to the landing before mentioned this must surely make a strong point in sibyl's favour while all communication between her room and her uncle's was cut off in the night-time joel pilgrim and podmore had easy access to the dead man's bedchamber to this argument a counsel for the prosecution might reply that the poison was possibly put ready for the patient's own hand on the eve of the murder mixed with his drink or his medicine yet in the latter case podmore who administered the poison must have seen its deadly effect unless the man were as alexis supposes an habitual drunkard and too far gone on this occasion to take notice of his master's condition this seems too much to believe even stupid drunkenness would have sense enough to perceive the effect of a deadly and instantaneous poison alexis sees sibyl's boudoir where the prussic acid bottle was found in the work-basket might it not he asks himself have been taken from that basket full and returned to it empty by some other hand than sibyl's and yet how should anyone else have known of her possession of the poison the housekeeper has been obligingly communicative she has entered into all the details of stephen trenchard's last illness and death dwelling on the gloomiest particulars with that ghoul-like relish peculiar to women of her kind she has described the finding of the body its awful appearance miss fonthorpe's mysterious flight which naturally set folks against her you don't surely believe her to have had anything to do with her uncle's death cries alexis mrs skinner shakes her head solemnly till the crepe roses and jet ornaments in her cap she has brought out some dingy weeds laid by from a previous time of mourning tremble and shiver i don't like to express an opinion as a christian woman she says but the opinion in redcastle is that miss fonthorpe did it she had the poison there's no denying that and she got it in an underhand way and then on the very morning of her uncle's death she runs away secretly and no one knows where she's gone a way to proclaim her guilt which she would hardly have taken if she were guilty she would not be so short-sighted as that murderers generally are short-sighted replied mrs skinner sagely it's a merciful dispensation of providence by which they run their necks into nooses there's not much good could be done by the detective police if it wasn't for the short-sightedness of criminals 
"'That's a very wise remark, Mrs. Skinner, "'and I'm surprised that so sensible a woman "'as you can imagine that poor girl "'guilty of a crime "'which only a hardened sinner could conceive.' "'There's no knowing where to look for hardened sinners,' "'replies the housekeeper. "'Ministers wouldn't tell us about original sin in the pulpit "'if wickedness wasn't born with some of us. "'And as to good looks, they're no criterion.' black thoughts may lie behind pretty faces as well as ugly ones and alexis foresees that with the female community in redcastle sibyl's beauty will be no certificate of innocence he pursues the subject no further seeing that loose conjectures of mrs skinner's will in no wise help in the unravelling of this tangled skein i rather wonder he says thoughtfully still moving about the empty rooms and making believe to examine the furniture that mr trenchard should have employed your fellow-servant as his attendant in illness i should have supposed from his manner to-day that he was somewhat inclined to drinking ah says mrs skinner well you may think so for all of the sots that ever was there never was a stupider sot than joseph podmore has been since his master's death since cries alexis was he sober before then yes sir joseph and me has been fellow-servants here since mr trenchard took his house three and a half years ago and i must say that joseph podmore has never laid himself open to reproach in all that time not but what he liked his beer at dinner and supper and his tumbler of grog after supper and a glass of dry sherry wine with its mouthful of bread and cheese between breakfast and dinner but was never the worse for anything he took and since his master's death he has never been properly sober muddling himself with gin and beer dog's nose he calls it and the very lowness of the name is enough to set any decent person against the stuff let alone its being cold and comfortless to the inside all day long and that low in his spirits that it's a misery to be in his company low-spirited asks alexis awful and yet according to his own account things have prospered with him for he says he's going to take a public house and begin life as an independent gentleman directly he leaves here though how he can have saved money to go into business seeing that he has a wife and two children to keep out of his wages and she an extravagant drab into the bargain flaunting about after dark with a paisley shawl down to her heels and a black lace bonnet with roses in it and a baby in one arm and a market-basket over the other which i call out of keeping how podmore can have saved money with such a drag upon him is more than i can account for again it flashes upon alexis that this man is the murderer every word of mrs skinner's tends to confirm him in that idea he pushes his inquiry a stage further by the way he begins have you any idea whether mr trenchard had money about him at the time of his death may he not have had a sum of money in his possession at that time sufficient to offer a temptation to an assassin murders have been inspired by very small temptations of that kind i know that sir but i don't see how mr trenchard can have had much ready money about him he had no call for it he always paid everything by check even servants wages and it wasn't often that he paid the tradesmen anything except at christmas time i don't see what he could have wanted with ready money in the house 
you never heard of his keeping money in his room or saw him open a box desk or drawer containing money never had he any valuable jewelry in his possession i never saw him wear so much as a diamond ring his watch was all the jewelry he ever wore and that was found under his pillow this seems a kind of no thoroughfare if mr trenchard had no valuables to tempt podmore's cupidity why should the butler have murdered him and whence the talk about taking a public house since it is clear from mrs skidmore's account of podmore's domestic responsibilities then he could hardly have saved money a slatternly wife in a flaunting paisley shawl marketing after dark is as exhaustive of drain upon a husband's finances as the bottomless bucket of the deanides one thing about money i do remember exclaims mrs skidmore after a pause and i must say it struck me as singular after i heard about that paper in which mr trenchard declared he had only brought ten thousand pounds from india what was that asked alexis eagerly well it was the last night but one before his death i was going up to bed after locking my downstairs doors and seeing all the others up before me even to podmore which was always my way and as i passed this door about ten minutes or it might have been a quarter of an hour after the others had gone to bed for i had been hunting for our tabby cat which is a troublesome animal to have prowling about at night though a good mouser and an affectionate disposition and i was coming up in the dark the gas being turned off at the main when i saw master's door ajar the door opening on our staircase you understand it was just the least bit ajar leaving a narrow streak of light and i heard mr pilgrim's voice speaking as i came upstairs and then i heard master say now understand clearly joel i must have that money ten thousand in banknotes before the wedding there must be no shilly-shallying you don't marry my niece till that money is in my hands no money no marriage remember and the telegram to wind up the business goes to my calcutta agents on saturday unless the money is forthcoming he had a very sharp precise way of speaking poor old gentleman and i heard every syllable a new light flashes on alexis this pilgrim the odious persecutor of his wife may not he be the murderer the idea has presented itself to him before but he has put it aside for want of any motive to ascribe as the mainspring of the action but there is motive strong enough supplied in these words of stephen trenchard's this threat to communicate with an agent in calcutta might mean ruin to joel pilgrim he must have been in some way in trenchard's power and to murder trenchard would be to cut the knot of the difficulty alexis secretan's heart beats loud and fast he feels as if he were now on the right track that there is something mysterious nay guilty in the butler's conduct he is assured but the butler may be an accessory before or after the fact rather than a principal there is apparent as yet no sufficient motive for the butler's guilt there is an obvious motive if this pilgrim be the murderer the first thing now to be done is to find out all about this man thinks alexis where is pilgrim staying he asks he has not left the town has he no sir he's residing at the coach and horses 
he was to have sailed for india directly after his marriage that's why things were arranged so sudden but of course mr trenchard's death altered all that at the coach and horses says alexis that is where i mean to put up myself well you couldn't do better sir it's the best hotel in redcastle and now having accomplished all he can for the time being alexis takes leave of mrs skinner i should like to have another look at the pictures before i leave the town he says perhaps you would not object to my looking round again to-morrow morning you are freely welcome sir as often as you like when i see that a gentleman is a gentleman i am very happy to oblige him alexis goes from lancaster lodge to the coach and horses where he has addressed his telegram to messrs levison and levison he is delighted to find a member of that firm waiting for him in the coffee-room an undersized gentleman with a smooth sallow face and keen black eyes thin lips compressed and horizontal a junior in the house thinks alexis with a look of disappointment he would have desired age and experience to guide and aid him in this desperate strait he looks a shrewd little fellow though and i dare say he knows his business he takes mr levison off to a private room orders a bottle of dry sherry and then proceeds to state his case without delay or waste of words mr levison listens with quiet intentness and makes no remark till the story is finished even then he is provokingly slow to express himself he sits looking at alexis like the head of memnon and compelled his client to wring his ideas out of him by the closest questioning and as he pauses for the space of a minute looking his stoniest after each question this process is rather slow do you think pilgrim is the man asks alexis a long pause alexis repeats his question no gleam of light in mr levinson's countenance indicating that the inquiry has been heard if he were the man he could have got away by this time even when mr levison does speak he drops out his words charily through scarcely parted lips as if they were pearls and diamonds and he did not like to waste them true but he might wish to throw people off the scent by remaining dangerous that he had ample excuse for going his indian voyage was arranged before mr trenchard's death he only had to carry out the arrangement there would have been nothing suspicious in that he is in this house you say yes that's convenient we can keep an eye upon him i can't see how we're going to do that grumbles alexis provoked by his solicitor's phlegmatic tone unless we could see through doors or walls he may leave rakehessa while we are sitting here no he won't replies mr levinson i brought a clerk of mine down with me and he has got the office to look after pilgrim but how could you know anything about him till i told you do you suppose i waited for you to tell me that's not our way in parchment street i had a chat with the landlord heard all about your wife's arrest and guessed what i was wanted for heard all the particulars of the murder or supposed murder the inquest held in this house and so on and gave my man the office and you think that pilgrim i never think mr secretan i wait for facts if i squandered my brains upon thought 
i should have no brain power left to deal with evidence we shall hear what comes out at the inquest alexis has to take this vague comfort for what it is worth and make the best of it he and mr levinson dine together and then alexis goes back to the jail and spends another half hour with sibyl who is low-spirited but not so anxious or fearful as she might naturally be in so awful a position uncle robert has been here dear good man she tells alexis and has been feeling my pulse and looking at my tongue and prescribing tonics and port wine and beef tea and all manner of tiresome things he quite broke down when he saw me here and burst into tears the first i ever saw him shed it gave me more pain to see him than anything that has happened since last night when i thought you had shut me out of your heart for ever i thought so too sybil but sorrow has opened the door of my heart and let you in again oh she exclaims with a little joyful cry i thought you could not be long unkind and you have not forgotten those foolish early days when we walked in kensington gardens and you told the children fairy tales no love i have forgotten nothing i will show you something some day alex if ever this dreadful suspicion passes away and i am free from the charge of murder she shudders at the word and clings to him for a moment like a frightened child what will you show me dear a book such a foolish old book in which i kept a journal when i first began to care for you it is all written there every stupid thing i ever thought about you the rise and fall the ebb and flow of love that must be a precious volume sybil i would give a great deal to see it you will laugh i am more likely to cry remembering how fate has parted us since then end of chapter fifty